What's going on, everybody? Today is November 2nd. It's Thursday, and you are watching and listening to the Daily AI Show live. Welcome in the door. Yep, we got Carl here. So, well time, Carl. And uh, so, yeah, we got Jimmy, uh, Aaron, Carl, Andy, and I'm Brian. Um, so, uh, yeah, today we are talking about the AI gap, why some are all in and others are indifferent. So some of the things we put in the show notes to get this thing kicked off is like, you know, look, there's companies that are all in an AI. Um, from the top down, they're leveraging AI. They're trying to figure out every single place, every single task um, from customer service to data analytics. Then there's other, there's other companies that might have one or two, you know, end users who are super, super into AI, but they cannot get any traction within their company. Um, the, the leadership does not seem to, you know, sort of frozen in, in time, doesn't want to move forward. And there might be some really good implications of why that's the case. So today is really just about understanding that gap. You know, why, why are some, some people, some companies all in and why do some seem to be indifferent? So I'm not sure who wants to like kind of kick off this conversation, but that's, that's what we got. Yeah. Yeah, Go for it, Aaron. So I, Brian, I were briefly talking offline, but I see this probably fairly largely as an issue to do with the, um, and I don't know any of our listeners and viewers would have heard of this, but what I call the bell curve of technology adoption, which we've probably all seen at some stage. We all know what a bell curve is. Um, and it basically talks about as new tech is introduced, you've got people right at one end of the bell curve or on the, the bleeding edge, like they'll just jump in head first and go hammer and tongs at things. And you've got, the bulk of people in the middle that get there eventually and then you have the laggards at the end that have to be dragged kicking and screaming two or three years later after everybody else is doing it as per normal that um won't do it so i think that's a big part of it um i had a today i have a once a month i have a like a a business support group that i'm a part of where we get together once a month and talk about our businesses and how we can improve things and they're all sharp people are all reasonably technique technical minded but none of them are using except for me are using ai and it's really mm. interesting to see that because i can see opportunities there um i don't know if it's because they haven't been introduced to it or they just haven't had the time to play with it or what i'm not sure yet but i do think that bell curve of tech adoption is a bigger component here so i have a quick follow-up question to that because i'm just curious what you guys think like we're not all the same age, right? I don't know what the average age is for everybody on this show. Um, but also I, I sort of find with AI that I don't I don't see it necessarily adhering to the younger generation. You're just out of college, 20 year olds, more than 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, whatever, 70 year olds. I don't know. It, it's like, I don't really see a segmentation by generation really when it comes to AI adoption. I'm just curious because a lot of times with tech adoption that sometimes is is a leading factor is like well i've just never had to use this before but i talk to just as many people who are in their 50s as they do in their 20s that are either all in or all out and it doesn't seem to be much difference you know sometimes they they're completely you know oblivious to what's going on in ai and sometimes they're that as as zoned in as i am at 45, you know? So I'm just curious, do you guys see that as well? Or do you do, is it the opposite for you guys? I, I do, I, I see it, especially in, 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 in business, when you are going to discovery call presentations or just meeting it, it's one of those few that 
those who adopt or those who don't use it frequently or don't use it at all, I don't see an age like, oh, gen whatever is either using it, right? Mm. So like, I've always like, because we've always been marketed towards like Gen Z millennials, like I'm a millennial, Gen Z, like <clears throat> my brother's in Gen Z, but I just even look at my family, my two brothers, one is Gen, like a millennial and the other one is Gen Z. Mm-hmm. and both of them aren't like AI like driven or they mm-hmm. don't use AI on a regular basis. They use it infrequently, just like a, hey, chat GPT, I'm going to maybe write an email or a thing, but it's not like that. And that's what I'm finding is that I think the pace of this, of how it's evolving and the things that you need to do to apply it regularly, I think that blows that kind of maybe p- dynamic out. Because it, it, to me, it doesn't matter. And the people, like, if you look at the students that are coming up, the focus is on, hey, how do I cheat? Or how do I right. write this paper for me? It's not like, hey, how do I actually use it to, like, you know, to make the max use out of it? And then so not Brian, everybody. Um, yeah. Sorry. Carl, I was just going to ask you, your two brothers, would you say, number one, are they what I would call maybe sort of tech savvy and or tech positive and b do you uh, see that there's a real strong use case of them getting to play and use this stuff or is it more something that might not be as immediately valuable to them because i uh, think that might drive some of it I, and it could be too because so one brother works for a bank the other one is like freelancing so mm. and you think that you know, the, the advantages to the tools can help you do stuff. And yeah, they use it. But when we talk about frequency of usage, like all of us, we use it regularly enough that we are upgrading our skills with it, right? And mm-hmm. then when something new comes out, you upgrade your skill. So like even something simple as ChatGPT, okay, now it has advanced data analysis. Then it has... Dolly three, then it has plugins, then it has like, then it can browse the web, but now it can do all those things all at once. You don't even have to do those three. So we've upgraded. (laughs) Well, no, like eventually everyone's going to get that. But I mean, like we've all upgraded our skills point by point by point by point, just by using it and testing it out. But think about all those people who just use regular 3.5. Like that's a, (sighs) That to me is the gap. It's like, as we use more and we learn more, we take part in 12 days of prompting, 30 days of prompting, automations, whatever it is. And the people who are still using 3.5 as is, and they just keep using it. And maybe they get a bunch, maybe they buy a prompt pack. Maybe they pick up a couple prompting things, but we all know that's not like, that's not how you level up. So you have a whole bunch of people who are just continuously leveling up, 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 up. Those people aren't, but that technology is changing so fast that the people who aren't leveling up don't know what's coming. We know what's coming. Then you level up some more. And then now you have that gap. And now we can take advantage of something that's like ridiculous while people are like, hey, how do I prompt to get this? So I think that's like, that to me is a very dangerous widening 
And that's where I was mm. like, that's a pretty big issue because I'm sure we all talk to regular people, the ones who aren't like in AI every day and be like, Hey, have you used this? Yeah, I can do. I didn't know it could do this, 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 this. Like today, mid journey tuner. That's amazing. Like you can do all this stuff. I have, I, I guarantee 75% of the people we know, like, I don't know what that is, but that's so important because now you can take an image and tune that in like, right. We can understand the benefits as we keep going. But I think that there, to me, that is a dangerous gap to keep growing as it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And mm -hmm. I was like, the education to those people, because I don't think as a society will benefit. AI will not get the benefit when not everyone's using it. There's just select few, which then is the danger who are the privileged people who can use it and those who don't. Mm -hmm. So do you see the problem as being that the, it's the education that's the gap? Like, uh, I think we all use it daily and that's why we're pretty good at it because we've, I don't know about you guys, but I dove in because I was fascinated with it and I was willing to spend time practicing and learning and experimenting. Some people may not have the desire and all the time to do that. So do you think the gap is the, the education cut? I believe so. <clears throat> and I, I really believe the pace of so you've got all the major tech companies in an arms race then you've got all these smaller companies trying to get the i guess the the scrooge mcduck bank flow of cash to if you mention ai in whatever you're doing here's some money <laughs> and the, everyone's taking advantage of the that so you get that but then all these tools cannibalize each other in what, like a couple months? It's like, oh, that one, now it's this one, or a big, big feature comes out and wipes out a bunch of those wrappers. So, but there's not an actual education on, yes, there's ways to use the tool, but can you actually use it into in like <clears throat> a business setting? Like, could you do it that is like, hey, a, can a business actually is it reliable is it scalable like there's here's a very simple example our company did a pilot on duet okay was there actual instructions or education from google or from anybody on how to use duet there's like youtube videos that are slick but i was like hey how do you actually use this and then it's just people fumbling their way around duet so now it then the thought would be oh well duet isn't going to work so that doesn't work i'm like no no no. i believe duet isn't great but it still has its uses but do you see it's like okay duet copilot just you know the news is about copilot then the news will be about gemini then the news will be gpt5 then the news will be something else and we're just consuming it and upgrading our skills all these pe other people are like, I don't know what that is. Um, I It's too much for me to keep up. I can't, I'm having trouble with 3.5. What am I going to do? So Andy, I'd, I'd be curious to bring your your perspective into this as like, I don't know, I always call it kind of thinking of you as our, our resident, you know, CXO from your your past experience and what you did at FitAid and LifeAid and things like that. But as somebody, and if you put that hat on, um, where do you see some of the, the holdups when it comes to the executive board is it um is it truly things like 
data security and privacy, which are very real concerns? Is it ethics? Is it our DNI? Is it um, it's moving so fast? It would it wouldn't be in our best interest to invest in any one space because we might we might lose our or had it in the deal, you know, or end up spending a lot of mind, money, time and investment for something that doesn't pan out. Just kind of curious to get your your thought, thoughts on this. Well, um, there's, there's two dimensions of resistance. One is resource constraints. Uh, you know, you, the, investing in AI requires human resources. You've got to have some spare capital human resource. Uh, and you also have some money investment that you have to make a decision about. And the, and the CXO is always making resource allocation decisions. So the risks, uh, so there's resource constraints and then there's risk concerns. And you mentioned a couple, Brian. I'll, I'll say one of the risks is, especially in this really flux driven market, like all these things happening so quickly, we're still within a year of the release of, of this kind of technology to the broader awareness. Now, setting aside the fact that AI has been incorporated in lots of different business processes for a long time. It's not something brand new to larger enterprise, but <clears throat> the risks don't seem that great this early on uh, in so far as, you know, I struggle to find an example of a competitive market space where you know, there's already a breakout, you know, in the market share leadership uh, that's driving, you know, a lot of other competitors say, oh, my gosh, we've got to get on this train. That takes a while. Um, and we've talked about that before about, you know, how, how do you actually insert, uh, uh, you know, the uh, where do you get the impetus to actually make change within your organization, within your business processes and so on? And right now the tools are really quite <clears throat> capable but they do require a lot of other things including automations in order to make them reliable and practical in day-to-day -day operations so you're, you're not really missing out this early on so you can wait and that may actually pay off because the one of the risks that you have to face as a cxo is did i pick the wrong horse like Oh, I, right. I, I just didn't do it right. And now I've got to go back and start over or, you know, shift, you know, making a systems change is a mm. really complex thing in a business that's, you know, got a lot of different interconnecting processes. If you implement that in a system or platform, that's not going to be the winner. That's a, that's a big risk. So, You've got those kinds of things that are causing people to wait, and it may not be the wrong decision. It could be that, that, that that's the right decision. One of the other major risks is regulatory. Like the, there, there's a lot of questions swirling around it. There's a lot of risks associated with, okay, exposure of my data. Uh, what's going to happen if that, you know, ends up being a major risk for my company? And so I see that as all being kind of the, the wisdom of the CXO is, how do I invest now and at the same time not waste that investment? And the other thing I'll mention is that the leaders in a, in a given marketplace have lots more resources. They, they have profit surpluses that exceed those of the players who are really trying to maintain a, a market position 
a, a share position that can actually be sustainable. And so they, mm. the, the leaders have the capital and the human resources to make a change with AI. And so I, it may be very well that AI as a new technology accelerant in the world of the competitive landscapes of various industries actually advantages the leaders more than the, than the, uh, you know, the, the market leaders rather than the people who are struggling to, to get to a level of share. On the other hand, AI may actually enable some really nimble teams that don't have a large market share now to break out. But I'm not seeing that yet. I'm not seeing mm. dramatic breakouts in existing industries. I, I would have thought, it, honestly, it just <laughs> if you had asked me, I would have said I would have thought it's the second, like it was the latter that the that you are we are seeing more nimble, smaller teams move faster because maybe they're trying, maybe they can uh, replicate the the um, the work of two people on a small team to now 10 or five or whatever the case may be, or, or a team of 25 to, to act more like a team of 50. And that gives them a competitive advantage. So that's really, that's interesting. Cause I would, I would have thought the opposite of that. Yeah. I, I kind of think that when you have a small team and you're, you know, resource constrained, like, you know, imagine a startup that's really got a limited runway and a very limited uh, amount of money to actually get to their next milestone the waypoints for you know get raising additional funds, you know they don't really. Everybody's wearing lots of different hats, and they don't have somebody who can step back and do as we have, you know, with support from whatever networks we've got, to invest all the time and energy and and intellectual capital that we have to understand how to do this. And I'm not even at the point now where I I can say definitively, you should go and do this rather than that because mm. i'm still learning it's taking it's taking time well i'm going to push back a little bit on that last point uh andy um i think uh those that are getting into early startups now um or you know in the, in the last year or so they're uniquely positioned to put on that extra hat because they're already doing that that kind of work, right? They're already trying to learn about how businesses run, what they're gonna need to uh, set up the startup, what their role's gonna be, things like that. Sure, a startup maybe a couple years down the line, I, I, I agree, but if you're 12 months in, this is the perfect opportunity to just wear one more hat because you're already wearing so many. And if this one hat is going to, you know, touch all the different aspects that, uh, you're already working on, it's a, it's a huge advantage. And the terms of the gap, it's recognizing, yes, you need to, you need to do this. You need to upskill, like Carl said. Um, and I, and I think Aaron's absolutely right on the bell curve as adoption goes, we're not even heading up really, right? We're at the very, very edge of that. So our early adopters really? are the Right. The really early adopters. That's us. That's that's where we're at. at. Only once we head up that hill trying to get that first section, uh, you know, of the bell is that's that's where we know adoption is is taking place. And then it becomes the push to get all of those people who are entrenched in their own methodologies, in their own systems to accept it. And I think that's where it really speaks to what you're talking about. Uh, Andy, in in being able to shift or um, adapt uh, and spend those resources. 
but I think those very, very early startups, I'd say this is this is their opportunity since yeah. they're since they're gonna wear all those hats anyways, this is just one more that uh, that they should invest in. I see that at the individual contributor level. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're a member of a small team, if you're not using AI personally, you know, but that's the limit of my advice is everyone ought to be investing in personal familiarization with the tools mm -hmm. because the tools are incredible. And we've demonstrated that, I think, all of us, you know, to, you know, to our cohort, uh, whatever that is. Uh, and, and that's where we are at this point. But in terms of, oh, you know, everybody's got to have this particular provision from this service provider, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as mm -hmm. a baseline, we haven't quite arrived there yet. Yeah. I completely agree on that point. Yeah. I, I wanted to uh, one thing I, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Sorry. <clears throat> well, I wanted to give an example of two companies. One company that I work for, very, very progressive. Progressive as in like CEO is like, yeah, everyone should be using AI. I use AI, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And the tools are available. We have a um, AI operating principles, things like that. But even there, there's still a lot of people who don't use it regularly. And essentially we, we have to internally set up a like learn, like over the next six weeks, we are doing a learning, learning modules every, every week to teach people the basics, all the stuff that we probably, we know in and out. We like, we have to do that because there isn't like a formal mechanism. We have to do it now. Take that. And, you know, the policies there is like, hey, we want you to use AI tools. We want you to experiment. We've done science fairs. We like, like there is an overt push to get people involved. And even then it's really tough to get everyone to use it in their daily environment. Cross that with another company. This one's more traditional, bigger, thousands of employees. The direct, so I was, I implemented an AI system whatever that was with that company their cto said the moment they found out and i don't know how we put it under the radar so for so long the moment their cto was like no 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 like they're coming out with an ai policy but the reaction was hey it's not one of trying it's one of no we will i think the word was we'll do this as a company uh, as a company or whatever that is, but I believe the the thinking around that is more of we're gonna use we're gonna think of this as just like any other technology. We're gonna roll it out from the headquarters onwards. But mm -hmm. I'm like, it can't really do that because the way that this is moving, I like Andy, you know, we all know how long an enterprise takes to roll out tools and all that kind of stuff. It takes forever. By the time they actually roll it out, guess what? There'll be like a whole bunch of things that have happened that make that thing, whatever is rolled out obsolete. So it's like, hey, do you recognize that? Do you understand like that you can't do your normal IT tech rollout? It doesn't, you have to completely change that paradigm because all the, all the small nimble companies that aren't as big as you, that don't need all that, you know, those procedures and tape, they're just going to start implementing and you're going to be left behind in the market pretty quick. So tale of two, two different organizations, but 
regardless, there is no formal education. While we will go all the way back to that gap, there's no formal education between the two. So no matter how progressive or how traditional, there's still needs to be, hey, this is how you use it. This is like all the things that we spend hours upon hours upon. Not everyone's going to spend that many hours, right? So wow. back to the point, how do we help everyone move in that direction? Yeah, I think it's um, like I look at when I started learning mid-journey, for example, I must have created hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of images just screwing around, trying different things, exploring. You can't bypass a lot of that yeah. experience. Um, and that's really difficult. I mean, I come from an IT background, so I know that they're pretty anal about not just letting things go crazy in the IT side of things, but it's not something you can just drop a whole company in and say, there you go, guys, there's the tool, go use it. You know, they just, they don't know what they don't know. And unfortunately, the, I think the only solution really is you have to start using it now, even if it's just at a low level and let people experiment because until they get that aha moment about what AI could do for them, they're never going to sort of push ahead with it. So it's a challenge. I mean, I look at it as a, as a marketer, you'd be dumb not to use chat GPT and mid journey. You could do so much with that just from a marketing perspective. And yet there are heaps of marketing agencies and marketing consults out there who still don't use it. So, I want to pull up um, Camilla's uh, comment, um, which I she just put on here. So I'm assuming it's what you were just saying, Aaron and, and Carl. But a uh, good point. This is a totally new paradigm because technology is changing so fast. It's going to have to be fast and iterative. And that's kind of where. Thanks, Camilla, by the way, for the for the comment. Um, that's where my brain was sort of going with this too. Is like as we sort of wrap up this conversation in the next four or five minutes. Um, you know, what, what, what can a company do? You know, you're going to have companies like Carl was saying, like the CTO, um, who's going to shut it down. You know, that, that is going to happen. I've seen that happen to very similar situations where it's been like, nope, nothing, nada. And we're not even going to discuss it, which is ridiculous to me. But what I would rather see, what I would hope more companies would do is, okay, you can't necessarily maybe allocate time and resources, to it, but you could, start talking to the end users in multiple different departments within a large company and just simply start asking, how are you using these AI tools today? Because more than likely, there's several people who have spent on their own time in the evenings learning mid-journeys or learning chat GPTs or whatever because they're that interested in it. And in most companies, uh, I know Scaled would be, you know, I, I would be one of the people at Scaled, but I'm not the only one. Um, who took an early interest into um, some of these AI tools. And it didn't really, it sort of languished for a little bit until there were started to be conversations from the top down of, well, hold on, who's using this? And what are you using it for? And what does that help you do? And then that collective sharing of knowledge really helped elevate us. But I've also seen this work with a lot of other companies as well. So I don't know, my I don't know it's not a key takeaway or a TLDR. It's more of a like, if I was working within a company, I think my first step, if I was hesitant to make any step would be, hey, if I'm a CXO, so if I'm at that level, hey, directors, managers, whatever, I want you to go out to your teams and I want you to start asking who's currently using these tools. Not because we're trying to get anybody in trouble, because we're genuinely trying to help or trying to understand how these are being used in business right now so that we can perhaps put a put a system around that or elevate that in some way or 
whatever the case may be. So that's just sort of my my takeaway on it. But you know, I don't know what you guys think. Do, do you see with that, Brian? Do you see the problem a problem if the the man or the woman at the top is not using and familiar with this stuff? Do you see that being a problem? Like if they don't have some kind of concept of it um beyond just saying who's using it what are you doing with it they might miss the big picture i, I don't know do you see that as an issue I mean, possibly you'd like to think though that there's you know whoever's at the top has surrounded themselves with people where they don't feel like they have to be the smartest person in the room and so you know i would hope that there's there's conversations going on all over the world where somebody says look i have not personally done anything with this but director manager vp whatever if you're saying this is something we need to be focusing on, then go forth and do that and report back to me what you found out and then allow that VP to go to the directors and the managers and the end users and, and then come back three weeks later and say, hey, boss, this is what we found out. This is what we know. Um, this is what we think it's doing. And then, you know, that's in more of a executive report, executive dashboard type setting. Um, I don't I don't think every top top of the line you know whatever leader needs to necessarily be using it if they are entrusting their team to go find the resources or get the data or whatever the case may be and and one thing too is even though we we let's say we allow people to have you know experiment with it there's still an education component because like, again, we spend hours upon hours. We've taken a whole bunch of courses and like just some people aren't interested in doing that. They just aren't like, I just want to play with it. If it works, it works. And you know, we've all been Google trained. So it's like, oh, if I don't get the answer I'm getting in, in how I, you apply my Google skills to chat GPT, then it doesn't work. Or I'm still using 3.5, so I don't see what the big deal is. But we all know it's like, oh my gosh, if you use four, it's just that much better. But all these little nuances, you won't know. And most people won't care until like, it, it's like, you remember all those news stories, hey, it's going to impact your job kind of deal. Well, I feel unless there's actually something that is encouraging people to do it, other than your own intuition or your own interest, I'm not sure you're going to get that wide of adoption unless there's a something pushing people to do it. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a negative event, if it's a, if it's a stick, if it's a carrot. I don't know. But I feel like unless someone's pushing people to do it, you won't get that vote like that. You'll will still be stuck here for all us people who are consuming all this stuff. I don't know what you all think. I, I, I think agree. I agree. You do need a motivator. Um, I would like to imagine that that motivator we'll see is clear data in the next year that says these companies that uh, uh, adopted early are seeing higher returns in whatever mm -hmm. metric. It could be in the camp of all of their employees love working for them because they only need to do a quarter of the work. Or it could be the other side where they're, uh, they can get four times the work done. You know, I, either, either path, as soon as people come out with that credible report <clears throat> or survey, that's, I think that's going to be a big motivating factor. Now, like you said, it could be a negative one. 
but uh, I'm I'm a little more optimistic. I'll say that we we're still at the phase where uh, CXOs should be encouraging AI literacy, especially in the leadership, uh, and set an example for knowledge and understanding of how these tools work for you as an individual contributor. <clears throat> and you should, uh, I think, if you have the resources, try to develop a, an internal proof of concept for some level of AI-powered automation in order to achieve some of the productivity efficiencies that are available using such automations. But that requires, as we all know, <laughs> a lot of time and attention. So you need to have somebody who's going to lead the charge on that. Yeah. Or consulting. Consulting is a good idea too. We're all on that path. <laughs> just, just, just an idea. Just throwing it out yeah. there. <laughs> and and, and uh, so, Irene, Brian, your, your yeah, next thing it. should have been, should have been, hey, if you, if you like, you know, hire now, you get a fifteen percent off, whatever, whatever, and then like, you know, you also get this, this, this. You missed your chance to like, you know, do that final pro. Find that promo code. I was I was ready with the banner. If I'd just been ready, you know, five five five. Act now, um, uh, Aaron. I don't know if we got your final thought on this. Do you have a final thought on it? Um, look, I think at the end of the day, um, the only way this is going to move forward within companies is either number one, somebody at the top. Uh, gets excited about it or gets serious about it and drives it from the top or number two, big, small, medium mm. companies get start to lose business to small, scrappy little one, two and three man or woman teams using AI to bypass them. And they go, holy moly, I'm about to look, get my lunch eaten by some three person company and chat yeah. GPT. I need to pull my finger out of my posterior and do something about it. So, yeah, if you're not interested, at least consider the fact that you may go out of business if you don't get serious about this. I think that's great. And I'm actually going to give the last thought here to Camilla because she was nice enough to send another comment in. I'll read it real quick and then we'll wrap things up. But Camilla said, start with a process that are repetitive and soul crushing, she put in parentheses, to determine which tasks quantify, uh, qualify for automation and listen in capital letters to the staff who are actually using the tools leadership needs to listen and learn themselves along with the beginners. I'm also targeting C-suite to educate. Yes, I agree with what you're saying. Thank you, Camilla, really appreciate it. Um, this is a great conversation. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, this is a conversation we're probably gonna continue to have over and over again on this show is just talking and identifying the skill gap and not skill gap, but like um, the AI gap, if you will, and and um, how, how businesses can, you know, number one, identify it. Number two, think about AI literacy, uh, as Andy was saying. And number three, start to implement these things at their own business. Um, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about an automation tool called Respell. You might have heard of Zapier and you may have heard of Make, but you may not have heard of Respell. So we are going to talk about that automation tool tomorrow and, and sort of showcase some of the things that we've internally, some of us have been internally building in there, why we like it, why it's visually appealing, all those kind of things. So if you're interested in automation, if you're interested in maybe learning about a, a new tool on the market, um, then hang back with us tomorrow. Come back with us tomorrow on Friday. Uh, as we talk about respell. All right, that's it. Thanks, everybody. And uh, we will see you on Friday. Let me find my banners. Here we go. Bye. Bye.